Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me today is Ryan Mingus, Operations Director for the New York office of ESD. She's here to talk with us about how green building strategies are becoming a central focus of traditional building codes. Thank you for being here today, Ryan. Thank you for having me. So before we get underway with the, with the content, if you would please introduce yourself and ESD a little bit further. Yeah, so my name is Ryan Mangus, Director of ESD New York. Um, ESD is a MEP plus services uh, engineering firm. We are headquartered in Chicago, but we have offices in New York, San Francisco, and Phoenix. Um, we work in the commercial building space, mission critical, um, and healthcare. And our mission is to improve society through the built environment. Okay, that's a great mission to have. Thank you. <laughs> so let's get into it now. My first question, I understand that green building strategies are becoming a central focus of traditional building codes. So many new regulations are addressing uh, the categories of energy efficiency, indoor environmental quality, um, renewables, resource conservation, and more. From coast to coast, these new strategies to become carbon neutral are, are going into effect. Um, so what impact do new regulations like New York's Local Law 97 have on both building owners and tenants? Yeah. Um... Well, one thing, um, time and money. Uh, these new regulations are gonna require a lot more collaboration and cooperation uh, between building owners and tenants than we've seen traditionally. So cities like New York are setting these super tough carbon caps um, and they're starting to dole out fines based on building, not meeting those building performance metrics. So local law 97, as you mentioned, that starts um, measuring 2024 with fines in 2025, and they get even more aggressive with their carbon caps um, by 2030, which uh, the intent is to cut emissions by 40% um, by 2030. So obviously these reductions can't just materialize overnight. Uh, so we need to to start making moves now. And landlords are already starting to implement language into their leases uh, to address these potential fines. Um, and tenants really need to be aware of this and educate themselves on the law. Uh, the intent of the law obviously is to cut these emissions. Um, so tenants should be asking the prospective buildings that they're looking at what are the building owners doing to address local law 97 and other measures that are being put in place? And tenants also really need to understand how the building plans to pay for these because these there are costs associated with the compliance of these local laws. So questions could be, will these improvements or how will the improvement costs and uh, potential fines be passed um, or will they be passed to the tenant? How are they going to be paid? 
Um, will there be rent increases or other provisions? And then also, are there any obligations that the tenants need to know about? Well, this is astounding and this is a big deal. It's certainly something that our members need to know more about. So I, I dare say there's not a bigger uh, commercial and corporate real estate market in America than, than New York City. So it's good to get these details from you today, Ryan. So I'm thinking, you know, often big markets like a New York or a California, sometimes a bellwether for the rest of the country uh -huh. that may be on the leading edge of something that gets adopted in other places. What What's your thinking about whether this kind of, uh, you know, New York City Local Law 97 might be adopted uh, nationally or in other markets? Yeah. Um, I mean, you you hit it. Um, really, we're seeing the big cities lead the way. Um, but across the United States, energy codes have been increasingly more stringent throughout the years. Some states are slower to adopt the, these rigorous energy standards than others. So the big cities are obviously making the biggest moves. Uh, local on 97 applies to almost all buildings over 25,000 square feet. So hits a lot of New York and it's progressive and ambitious, but it also makes sense in a city where the largest share of greenhouse gas emissions come from their buildings. Uh, so Denver, for instance, they have a very similar uh, aggressive greenhouse gas emission reduction goal um, seeking 90% reduction by 2050. Uh, that's based on a 2005 baseline. But Colorado's biggest emissions come from transportation. So efforts there are more focused on green space, improving water and storm management, and increasing use of solar and other renewable energies. Um, and then obviously you have California and, and cities in particular like San Francisco who traditionally lead the way in energy standards. Obviously, California has been implementing progressive energy reduction standards for years. Um, but generally, nationally, there, there's definitely an appetite to reduce energy consumption and, and combat climate change. Um, and I think that's really where green leases are coming in to um, start addressing that on top of uh, the more stringent energy codes. Exactly. And all this is so important today. Big corporations have their ESG initiatives and goals. So this fits right in with it. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned green lease provisions. I was going to ask you about that. So we are hearing more about that these days. What green lease provisions should key stakeholders uh, be on the lookout for? Sure. Yeah. Green leases are, are very interesting. So Essentially, they're just leases that align tenant and landlord interests um, for investments in energy efficiency um, through what are called green clauses. Um, so these can include implementation of um, Energy Star integration, um, listing lead specific clauses, um, noting that integration of sustainable practices are required in future buildouts. So that would be low emitting building products or recycled building materials. Um, and then a couple other uh, items would be like water efficiency measures, um, making sure that we're, we're thinking about that. And 
um, water efficiency measure has definitely been um, a key element that's also being built into these energy code um, updates. Uh, particularly California has made really big moves in um, trying to reduce water. So that's another um, green clause and indoor air quality. Um, now that has been an interesting topic with COVID as well and definitely um, more commonplace to discuss the need for indoor air quality. So filter, um, MERV minimum efficiency rating. So minimum efficiency rating is MERV. Um, and also the main, the replacement and maintenance of these filters are now being discussed in, in these green leases that um, were never really discussed before. It's great to get an update on all this because this has huge implications, obviously, for the built environment. Yes, absolutely. Sure. So that sort of leads me to my, my last question, Ryan. Uh, for these efforts to be successful, how can building owners, operators, and occupants work together to meet these challenges? I see a big need to work together on all this. Absolutely. Exactly what I said. I mean, it is going to take a lot of collaboration and cooperation. Um, it's going to be a give and take. But again, green leases are an opportunity for building owners, operators, and occupants to all get aligned. Um, like we said, not, not only are states implementing these um, increasingly more stringent energy codes, but the workforce is demanding transparency, accountability, ethical decision-making. You talk about the S, social, and, and ESG. The workforce is demanding understanding um, our impact to the environment. So we have an opportunity here to reduce emissions, lower operating costs, um, increase tenant satisfaction, while also improving life for the occupiers, uh, improving productivity and engagement with the space. So I think the, the key for this to be successful is everyone's going to have to come to the table and collaborate and, and really work together to make this possible. And to make it a win-win-win for everybody. Exactly. And it can be. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, Ryan, um, it's been great talking with you and learning more about this important uh, topic today. And I'd like to, again, uh, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and your insights with Cornet Global. Thank you for having me. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.